following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is Minute 47 of Flash Gordon Minute. Eric, how are you tonight? Uh, but Brad, come in. Come in. Are you reading me? I don't know if this thing is on. Over. It's <laughs> best is what he says over. His CB radio talk. I really enjoy that. Uh, and back with us is Joe from Comic Book Central. Joe, how are you tonight? I'm excellent. Thank you so much, uh, gentlemen, for having me on again. It's It's been a ton of fun having you on there. Learned a lot and uh, just really impressed. And, uh, you know, uh, Eric, thank you for setting this up. Uh, you know, and, you know, Joe was on your radar and this uh, has been excellent. It was the oh, telepathy. Yeah. He contacted me with the telepathy. Yes. Yeah, right. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Come I, in. I, I stuck my head into a giant hair dryer, uh, and I was like, "Joe, Joe." Uh, I woke up from my from my slumber. I was like, "What? What? <laughs> He's there. I can hear you." <laughs> so, so early in this minute is where we have a uh, Joe and I sort of part part opinions on this because uh, Joe was making a comment about how. Dale's drinking this super liquor, and uh, how man she can hang because, well, as we'll see in future minutes, she she's she starts kicking some rear end, and I was like, wow, it was just last minute she started drinking and she's already passed out. I I I actually had in my notes she was a bit of a lightweight. Well, how much time has passed though? Because she is passed out, but all the other women have left the room. So did she pass out right away and then when left the room immediately? Or is this like a half an hour later or something? Was she faking it like Marion in, in Raiders? Ah. There's just a whole lot of different ways you can go on this. But, uh, well, Eric, what, walk us through. What happens in minute 47? Well, so uh, Flash, Flash is put, puts on the telepathic call thing. And this, this, this whole telepathic call, this to me exemplifies everything that I love about this movie. Because there's, there's static, like it's a bad radio. And... <laughs> Flash is ending his sentences with over, like, you know, some official army thing. They're they're putting their fingers on their temples to help them think their thoughts. Aura's all over Flash while he's trying to talk to Dale. I mean, it's just, it, it, it it's a perfect thumbnail of everything I love about this movie. The only thing it's missing is that sound effect of, like, <laughs> over. Yeah. <laughs> it's missing that. Uh, yeah, it was a crazy minute. Um <laughs> and I, I also had a note about everyone putting their finger to their temple. I was like, what the hell is that supposed to do? That's acting. Acting. Yeah. Getting into the part, man. They're 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 feeling the vibe. Look, when you picture them in the set, picture the actors in the set and these like plastic ships and there's like grips, you know, scratching themselves over in the corner and there's craft <laughs> services and donuts. You know, you gotta you gotta make this real to you somehow. That's probably them actually trying to focus on <laughs> their own acting at that point so you know this is this is one of those days that mike Hodges was like i don't know what to do guys just improv your way through it i don't know yeah well it reminded me of going to more current movies and comic book movies to, to sort of go into uh, joe's wheelhouse uh, x-men movies the with the uh, young 
Professor X, uh, where you would have the same thing, where he, he mental telepathy is a difficult power to like show on film, uh, and all they do is like, all right, just just put your finger to your forehead. It's like uh, that's, that's it. look a little constipated, and that's the action scenes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I like how they did it in uh, uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Uh, they just kind of nod their head a little bit, uh, and, and that's how you know that they're talking. Oh, yeah. How creepy was that movie? I mean, yeah. that was, yeah. yeah, there's some creepy telepathy going on there. That was, yes, and to get all completely off track. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the second Planet of the Apes was an insane movie. And, yeah. And um, are, are you guys uh, ever listened to the Dana Gould Hour? Uh, no, no. Uh-uh. Excellent show. Dana Gold is a very, very, very funny comedian uh, and comedy writer. He currently is the writer for the show um, a Stand vs. Evil, uh, and he was a former writer on The Simpsons. And he's a gigantic Planet of the Apes fan, and he has this great monthly podcast called Dana Gold Hour. And uh, he talked about the, the second of the Planet of the Apes movies and how nobody was really expecting a sequel. Charlton Heston was uh, li- contractually required to do it, but he was basically only one to be in the beginning and end of the movie, and he had to have his character die. And just going about how bonkers that movie was and uh, the weird, off, you know, creepiness of the film as opposed to the sort of dystopian action-adventure the first movie was, and the second one was just sort of like, screwing with everyone's brains um and and had the creepy underground scene so yeah yeah their god is an atomic bomb i mean it ends and it ends with the whole world blowing up so yeah you're not gonna yeah spoiler alert all these years later but (laughs) uh yeah you're not gonna get any weirder than that unless you're flash gordon uh (laughs) which gets pretty close it it does flash is he's having his uh his, his his telepathic conversation with Dale while basically getting a lap dance from Aura. <laughs> this is making me think of there's a Seinfeld episode where he's dating someone and she's just a, a horrible person, but he can't stop. He's so physically attracted to her, and he imagines his his brain and his penis having a chess match against each other. And oh, that was his first season. That was way early. Yeah, on. yeah. This is that he's got he's got Aura in the lap. So and he's got, but his brain is focused on Dale. It, 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 this is this is that scene. But he totally disregards Aura. I mean, completely. Yeah, yeah. And again, we his talked about this before. His, well, Seinfeld's yeah. brain wins too in that episode. So yeah, and that's the thing. That's why he's the hero. That's why yeah. I like it because he's just like, you know what? I'm on a mission. This is you do whatever you need to do over here. But I I need to contact Dale and I need yeah. to to get back to her and save her. That's why this movie is science fiction. Because <laughs> <laughs> the brain never wins. <laughs> Hey, don't forget, he's trying to get back to Melody Anderson. So, hey, sorry, she, I'm gonna, no I'm gonna say, she's no, I'm gonna slouch. say Melody Anderson wins out in my book. Nice. And that's not because I've talked I've, to her. Not because I've talked to her. Not, <laughs> well, I've been in love with Aura since I was five years old, so right. I have to differ. <laughs> I'm, I, look, I'm, I'm a Dale Arden kind of guy. It's, it's what's fun with, um, with that scene is, and this is such a loony movie and so crazy. But also, I think every guy had that girlfriend when they were i want to say when they were like between 18 to 22 uh who would decide to get real flirty when they were on the phone or they were trying to have a conversation on it's, the phone <laughs> but it was it's, it's perhaps I'm, maybe this is just me but guys tell me you whether you had this experience and it's usually a thing where a girl is with her first serious boyfriend and starts to understand sort of like the power that she may or may she she may hold in the relationship was like ah, 
I'm going to get his attention right now. It, it just reminded me of that. It's like, I'm pretty sure I dated that girl when she was 19. Perhaps she didn't dress the same as Ara. I probably, well, like, what well, if you're watching a football game? I mean, if you're watching a football game or something, you know, and that's, you know, maybe maybe that's Flash's, uh, his, his athletic training coming into play, just being focused on the game, you know what I'm saying? Keep your eye on the ball. Yes, yes. Uh, it was really a superhuman effort because she looks amazing. <laughs> He's Flash Gordon, man. He's Come Flash on, Gordon. he is superhuman. He'll save every one of us. <laughs> you can't save every one of us if you're messing around with Aura. You can't. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I also love where, well, Flash tells uh, Dale, is like, basically, you, you need to fake him out. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to buy time with you because Ming's gonna Ming's coming in. And he thinks she's zombified, and yeah, she's got to she's got to buy some time, and that's his advice. And I, I love where she doesn't know how. He's like, oh, all girls know how to do to. <laughs> and then he actually says out loud, "It's like it's happened to me. <laughs> it's happened to me." I, I, I couldn't figure out if he was being sexist or just a dumb jock at that moment. <laughs> the go dumb jock. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the dumb jock comes out with Flash. Well, also what's great is she doesn't fake Ming out. She she basically gets another poor girl drunk, leaves her there. But it's not like she, I don't know, pretended she had a headache or anything. No, but see, this is my point. This is my point to earlier. And you said you know, we disagreed on this. But this was my point is the fact that she took this, basically got roofied and, and you know, should have been like knocked out in this thing. And she fought it off. That's what, you know, we talked, you know, a couple of episodes ago where, um, you know, like how this is, a, that was a dark thing for, for him to do. He's evil. To, and, and it's almost every version of Flash has her zombified somehow to become Mings, you know. But in this one, she fights it off because some of the other ones, like you think back to the early serials with um, uh, with uh, with Buster Crab. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, and uh, who was uh, Dale Arden in the? Uh, oh, Gene Rogers. Uh, you know, like Flash had to come get her. She was knocked out. Like he had to like save her and rescue her. Off. In this one, she fights it off. She's strong enough to fight it off, or she was faking that whole time, and you know the the potion didn't have any effect on her. And as we will get into, as you gents will get into with your guests in future minutes, is the fact that she's going to, she's fully aware of what's going on and she's going to throw down here very soon. Oh yeah. She goes full Jim Cotta on everybody. Or maybe, yeah. maybe it's just liquid courage when she, uh, when she starts going nuts and uh, I'm telling you, she holds her liquor, man. It's <laughs> like, she, look, you're going to give her this thing. She knows what to do with it. She's going to, you know what? Maybe it empowered her or something. I don't know. But she did say she woke up with, she with a hangover. So I, you know, uh, it's it's kind of hard to tell if she was faking or not, but uh, her head um, might hurt just from that gigantic headpiece she has on. That's true. That was a big <laughs> headgear. It's a big tiara. Yeah, basically, uh, uh, all these women are so skinny and clad. Apparently, they were saving all the material for the headpieces. <laughs> They're quite huge. I, I I had a question though. You know, Aura's telling them that you know, oh, I'm I'm racing you to get you to Arborea, you know, for help. And it's like at this point, does he really think? Aura is racing him to Arborea to get him help. I mean, is he really buying that line anymore? It's tough because we obviously know Aura's sort of may, may not be on the level. Uh, Flash may not be the sharpest tool in the shed and hasn't had a whole lot of interaction with her. He basically, she basically just caught his eye when they were walking into the uh, into the throne room and brought him back to life. So, yeah. Maybe maybe he maybe he buys it. The audience certainly doesn't. Right. We know, and Aura doesn't even know when she's lying. <laughs> it, it, it means nothing to her to, to lie. She's just, just like, well, I'm going to say whatever I need to say to get what I want. Well, speaking of Seinfeld, wasn't that the George Costanza lie, line? It, Jerry, it's not a lie 
if, if you, you believe, believe it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, the before unknown Flash Gordon Seinfeld connection. <laughs> Dude, we dig deep. There's got to be a six degrees of Kevin Bacon connection between Flash Gordon. Oh, there must be. I'm sure there is. Seinfeld was on forever. Yeah, there there isn't a whole lot else in this minute. It's Flash uh, not allowing himself to get too distracted. Um, He finally starts to crack a little bit in the next minute, so we'll definitely have that conversation. But yeah, as for this minute, there isn't too much else. Joe... You've discussed your fandom. You've had a chance to talk to Sam Jones and Melody Anderson. Do you remember when you first saw this movie? I didn't catch it on the initial run, uh, which is very strange because, the boy, it's just... You think this would be one of the ones I would have seen when it first came out because you talk about Superman, you talk about... Uh, I, and I remember all the magazines. I remember Starlog. I remember, you know, all the different magazines were coming out. And it was always like Popeye. I think it was... I'm trying to think like 1980, the big thing. It was like Popeye, uh, Flash Gordon, and uh, there was another... I'm trying to remember what the, there was like another big comic book movie. Um, I know 81, I think was Lone Ranger. So like, uh, like I saw all those and, and I remember this was not one I saw in the initial run. I probably caught it on cable um, years later. And I, I, I think I've come to appreciate it more in recent years uh, because Alex Ross has talked about, you know, this is his favorite film and, you know, the queen soundtrack. I think I got, I wasn't as much into queen at the time, but I, over the years I became more into queen. And so the soundtrack resonated a lot more. And then I just, I started really getting into, you know, like all, a lot of different comic booky things too. So I, I came to appreciate it years later, but not in the initial run. And the thing is, I don't think anybody came to appreciate it in the initial run because it kind of failed at the box office. So I don't know that I necessarily missed out on anything at the time, but, uh, because like everybody missed out on it, uh, but I th- it's it's one of these films that's just sort of taken on a life of its own, and you know you get the Blu-ray and you get all these different things and you see Sam Jones talking about it, and then you meet the guy and I'm wearing a Flash T-shirt and I'm standing next to this monster, you know, <laughs> this behemoth next to me. It, it just I, I just have a much greater appreciation for it now I think than I ever would have back in the day. It's a movie that takes a few viewings to really. I think get your brain around sometimes. Uh, yeah. Gosh, I forgot that Popeye came on, also came on in eighty. That was a Gonzo movie. Yeah, and I was really obsessed with that. Like I'm looking over my bookshelf now, and there's like so many Popeye books on there. Like I, I really, I like that movie, man. Oh, I, I love I, it. I defend the movie Popeye. There's, I don't think you have to defend anything. I think it's a, <laughs> it's a classic film, and it's a, it's a great musical. Yeah. Like, who I made musicals? Yeah. Nobody made musicals, but and then it was like. The music is great. Harry Nilsson did the the music for it. I got the soundtrack, and it's I played it nonstop. Vinyl, not cassette. I had it on vinyl. Um, I I was I think I was so Popeye centric at the time that I probably missed the Flash Gordon boat. It was. Uh, I remember I saw Popeye in theaters. Yeah, me too. Yeah, nonstop. I rewatched it recently, and Robin Williams has just so much energy. It was a weird musical because. It seemed like it was a musical where everything was chorus. It yeah, almost, like, it, it yeah. almost felt like the lyrics were ad libbed. Well, but that's kind of Harry Nilsson, is it? I mean, he, he's just, he's sort of an off the wall. It was he, or he's sort of an off the wall songwriter. I mean, he's you know, he, he, Nilsson Schmilson, one of his albums. You know, just he he seemed that sort of bent songwriter to to be perfect for that film. I thought he was definitely great at creating earworms. Where it's like, all right, you're gonna remember the chorus. So we're just going to say the chorus over and over again. Like, I mean, all I mean, that was like the big song from that was just Pluto saying, I mean, I mean, over and over again, mumbling through a chorus. And then it's like, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I was like, well, that's stuck in my head. No, I know what you get because my wife, the songs drive her nuts too. What's the, uh, the, um, 
the olive oil one. Uh, he needs me, I think. Smart. And it's just like, Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He needs me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that kind of drives it. So I know what you mean about the ear. <laughs> I think it just, it's probably more nostalgia for me. I just, I have the making of book. I had all the Popeye, you know, I had everything. I had the center. I just loved Popeye. I loved the co- the comic strip. I love comic books. I love the movie. I loved Robin Williams. I was a huge Mork and Mindy fan at the time. So I'm like, he's Popeye now. Woohoo. And he got his hair cut all off and it's crazy. <laughs> crazy movie. Early uh, role for Dennis Franz. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. And I'm a big Franz fan. Dennis Franz best known for playing Sipowitz on NYPD Blue, which may be one of the best long-term television performances ever. Yeah. He, he was like, he played Spike, one of the bullies in town that uh, Popeye beat up. And I was like, is that is that Sipowitz? And that town, by the way, they never um, they never dismantled the, the set. So in Malta, it's still there. They turned it into a tourist attraction. Oh, is it still there? Yeah, it's still there. You could go there. Oh, that I didn't know. That yeah. would be very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, anybody, if you have a chance, it, it's it, it, interesting to watch as an oddity. Uh, it was Robert Altman directed. One of these things where, and the movie wasn't particularly successful. Uh, it was very expensive, and I think it just barely made, it, it made back its budget a little bit, but wasn't a huge smash. Yeah, if that. Altman, it's this thing where Altman was, he was an artiste. He, he was an artistic director who made really cool movies, uh, but not not crowd pleasers. And every now and then, you get one of those directors, and you give him a big budget, and crazy crap happens. <laughs> well, but again, not unlike Flash Gordon, in that they were, I think they were more concerned about the the look of it and the comic book, or in this case, the comic strip. Well, I guess both comic strips coming to life. I think that was more of the focus because when you look the set, the sets, everybody, everything looks great. I mean, Shelley Duvall looks exactly like olive oil. Robin Williams looks like Popeye. That was the role she was born for. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and Flash Gordon, I think the same thing. It's almost like, you know, the acting, you know, or the story or plot. There wasn't that much of a concern. It was more about bringing the comic book to life. And that's sort of that time period of the 80s. And those didn't work. Um, Lone Ranger came out a year later and that didn't work. Um so struggled a lot. I think it was more Star Wars driven at that time, more sci-fi kind of driven. I think people were more focused on that. Um, the comic book films weren't doing as well back in the early 80s, unless you unless you were Superman. <laughs> unless you're Superman. And it's funny, and this is your wheelhouse with uh, Comic Book Central, and you know your comic books to movies. And it's a, such an amazing time uh, to be a fan. Um, because I remember how desperately I wanted a Spider-Man movie. And they were always talking about it. And they had so many different rights issues. And there's the notorious uh, James Cameron, um, like, scriptment. Was it Tom Cruise at one point and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, I think, at one point? <laughs> yeah, and at one point they talked about he, uh, Cameron wanted uh, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger to be... Uh, Dr. Octopus. Dr. Octopus. Yeah. <laughs> have you read that script? Have you guys read that script? The I have not. Oh, it's pretty bad. I've seen scenes acted out. Gonzo uh, is just it's, insane. It's bad. Yeah, it is. It is <laughs> out there. It is really. At one point, he's fighting Dr. Octopus, and he says, "Like you know, who are you? I'm Spider-Man." And Dr. Octopus says, "No, I'm Spider-Man." It just makes no uh, sense. It's like, uh, huh? Bullet dodged. Yeah. yeah it, it was, and just waiting and waiting and waiting, and now we're in a world in. 
if you were lucky, you got a Batman movie every three years. To go from that, where you were just hoping they would throw you scraps of, okay, you'll get a Batman movie every three years, maybe a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then a couple of, or, or God forbid, a um, Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie where he, oh. <laughs> where he doesn't look like the Punisher. <laughs> because they're too scared to put him in a costume. And to go from that to the world we're in now where... How, how, how many... Joe, do you know off the top of your head, how many comic book movies are there going to be in 2018? I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, probably more than there should be. <laughs> it's strange <laughs> for me to say that because, um, you know, there may be an oversaturation point. I, I know Spielberg's already griping about it, and I think James Cameron is griping about it. All the Avengers needs to end or something, you know, things like that. Um, it, I think you said it earlier before. It may have been off mic or something, but, you know, you call it an embarrassment of riches, and it, it really is. This is a great time for all those of us who've wanted these things or, or have had bad versions of them. And they're, they're still charmed at some of those older ones. I mean, like, you know, I think of Howard the Doc and, you know, there's like some goofy charm at some of those things or the, the 70s Spider-Man TV show. I'm even a little bit of defender of the, uh, the, the made for uh, the, the Captain America movie that went straight to DVD. Yeah, I talked to Red Brown. He was it was one of my early guests on the show. Yeah, we talked about the, you know the Captain America movies. Yeah, I, there's a goofy charm to those. Well, I'm, I'm even thinking of the Matt Salinger one. Matt Salinger. Oh one, yeah, yeah, I talk, yeah Matt, Matt's been on the show. We talked to yeah, and he does. He's never done any interviews. And yeah, we, I, there's a weird charm to that one too. Although the rubber ears on the suit were oh the ears <laughs> are terrible. <laughs> yeah. But you know, he mentioned on the show that he he flung his own shield. Like he he developed that. It was a real shield, obviously. There was no CGI back then. And he flung it, and he hit what he was flinging it at. And I'm like, well, Chris Evans just like, there's nothing even in his arm. He, they just all CGI that in later. I'm like, this dude actually did it back in the day. So, yeah, knock knock the rubber ears all you want. But, you know, this dude was flinging a shield for real. It, and some competently put together action scene. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, yeah. Italian Red Skull was strange, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Okay. You have to enjoy it while it lasts, because if we've learned anything from westerns and musicals and science fiction, it's like everything, there's ebbs and flows to this. There will be some point where Marvel is going to be the only game in town. They're going to be the only people putting out movies, and they're only going to put out two a year because there was a saturation point, and DC is going to be trying to reboot their properties, and they're going to take five years off. from. Like, it's, it's going... It can't last forever. There will be a downturn at some point. Well, but that's the thing. You know, you look at some of these things, you go, oh, well, how many Captain Americas can you do? How many Superman movies can you do? What's cool about what Marvel's doing now is you're taking things like Black Panther. It became like the biggest movie ever. Well, this character was, you know, rebooted so many times in the comics. And, you know, they, it's, I wouldn't even call it a B level character, a C level character. It might be like a D or E level yeah, character. You know, it was a backup. Um, no, it was like a backup in Fantastic Four. It was a yeah. guest star, and he got his own, you know. But they're doing these things, so they're they're going after these characters now. You got to think about this. I mean, there's with some of these characters, there's three quarters of a century of history or half a century of history, and it's all stories, and they're all storyboarded in comic book format or even in comic strip format when you think of Flash Gordon. And so there's decades and decades of stories out there. Ms. Marvel, look what they're – look what uh, – Ant-Man. Who would ever have thought we'd see an Ant-Man movie? Oh, well – it's what and I it's to, amazing. I got into, and it, it, it went as well as an argument could go online. But uh, on Twitter, somebody, and I think it's somebody who doesn't necessarily love when uh, female characters get their own properties. And the gentleman said that uh, Black Widow would never get her own movie because her rogues gallery, 
uh, Galleries Too Weak. And I was like, you know, we just had an Ant-Man movie, right? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, credit given, he's like, all right, you got a point. It's like, hey, that's nice. That's That's the best possible outcome that can happen from an argument over the internet. There's so many cool things. Come on. Booster Gold, I'm there. Is you know, I was as Berlandi, I think, doing a Booster Gold movie. Um, there's there's so much depth to these characters and so many rich stories. I think you can mine. It doesn't have to be Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Spider Man. I mean, those are all great giant franchises. But Black Panther proved that you could come out and take a C D E level character, whatever you want to call it, and if you've got a great story, great characters, great actors, people will flock to see it. And that's what they did, and it's just amazing. Or Wonder Woman, you know, they they've been trying forever to get Wonder Woman going, and it's like they couldn't do it. Well, you know what? You got the great actress, and you got a great story. Go figure. And you know what? The big talk of uh, Marvel, this news just came out in the last week or two as of this recording, that they're thinking of making an Eternals movie. I mean, oh, you want wow. to talk about C and D level characters? Yeah. I mean, the, the Eternals, Deep cut. Uh, you know, that's a really obscure, you know, team there, and they're talking yeah. about. Because Guardians of the Galaxy was obscure and has done so well, another good example. The Eternals. Another good example. Whoever heard of Guardians of the Galaxy before yeah. the movie came out? They even Marvel was like, eh, I don't know if this is going to work or not, yeah. and it came out and it did. And there you go. But again, good writing, good storytelling. If you put characters on the screen that we like, and there's strong writing, and you care about the characters first, I can't emphasize that enough. If you care about the characters first, then you can put all the craziness around them. It doesn't matter. That's what, but you got to get that script. You got to get characters we know and love. You yeah, got to give them something to do. And I, yeah. and that which ties right into Flash Gordon because I, you know, who doesn't love Flash Gordon? Oh, <laughs> right. Him. You know, he's lovable. Well, yes. Well, definitely everyone here is going to love him. Be really weird if we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Aura definitely loved him. That's for sure. <laughs> Didn't reciprocate, but, you know, he's, he's got a job to do. He's got to go save Dale. Jeez, Joe, this has been a fantastic week. We really appreciate you uh, taking all this time. Uh, it's been a ton of fun. Oh, I'm honored. I'm honored. One last time, uh, where can people uh, hear, hear hear more of you? I'm sure they've, everyone's enjoyed you, so they got you have a lot of great content out there. Where should they go? Comicbookcentral.net is the website. They can also check it out at Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com slash comicbookcentral. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, it's out there. The links are out there. iTunes. Uh, go check it out. You know, you know what to tell them, man. Just say, <laughs> go subscribe and leave a review if you wouldn't mind. That's what I always say. Same same thing with Flash Gordon Minute. Very cool. And uh, Eric, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Yeah. Um, first, I just want to repeat what a big fan I am, Joe, of uh, oh, you and your website. I, I awesome that you joined us this week uh, on Flash Gordon Minute. My pleasure. My pleasure, Jens. Always always a pleasure. And uh, thank you for letting me gab on about Flash Gordon, man. Oh, sure. <laughs> I love about that. Uh, and before, uh, Brad, before uh, I give our Flash Gordon plugs, uh, we haven't mentioned in a while the Movies by Minutes community at large. Go to moviesbyminutes.com, where there were, we're almost up to 100 different uh, movies by minutes that have uh, been completed or are in pro- uh, progress. So if, if you like this format, there's something else out there uh, for you to listen to. Good gracious, that's a lot of movies. Yeah, they're all, we're almost <laughs> at 100, and it's incredible. Wow. Uh, that's a lot and, of minutes. It's yeah. A lot of minutes. <laughs> I mean, and there, uh, I mean, there are people doing some long movies. There's people doing Watchmen. There's people doing Godfather. So I mean, this, 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 this and the long under- Watchmen, the one that includes yeah, all the, the cartoon like, stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so for us, you can chat with us on Facebook, Flash Gordon Minute Listeners Vortex. You can chat with us on Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod. Chat with us on email, flashgordonminute at gmail.com. Yeah, we ask everyone to give us ratings and reviews on iTunes. Um, the more ratings and reviews you get, the more visibility we get. Uh, we want more people to join the fun. 
So it's been another great week, uh, Eric, as I try to always do at the end of the week. I want to thank you because uh, Flash Gordon Minute is your brainchild. This would have happened without your drive, and uh, especially great this week bringing a fantastic guest like Joe. And, uh, Joe, I hate to tell you this, but you're in now. Uh, because this has been an absolute pleasure, and we're going to be bringing you back for the Cosmic Geppetto podcast. Because uh, I, I could, honestly, God, I could talk to you for hours about all the great uh, comic book movies and all that stuff. So uh, you know, you're going to be back in our house uh, before you know it. I appreciate. It. I always love geeking out with uh, fellow fellow geeks and nerds. So uh, Eric, it's been another great week, uh, and I thank you for that. But uh, uh, I'm a little disappointed in myself. Oh man, you were you, you had inadequacy issues yesterday too. Come on, what's going on? Well, you know, uh, as uh, we've said before, we've been in our, our new house for a couple of weeks now, and uh, I, I, I tried to have a, have a little drink with uh, one more podcast just to keep, uh, keep it loose, and I uh, opened up the cabinet, and we were out of dishes, and I've been drinking my beer uh, in a Garfield and Odie coffee mug from uh, this about 40 years ago that was got at McDonald's. I'm just like, it's like, I'm drinking my alcohol in a Garfield mug. It's like, I don't think I'm doing being an adult very well at all. Well, if your beer tastes like lasagna, if your Thursday feels like a Monday, if you look in the mirror and John Arbuckle is staring back at you, don't worry about it, Brad. Flash will save every one of us. Next week, Brad and Eric welcome Sci-Fi Wire's Carol Pinchevsky to the studio while Princess Aura and Flash rocket to Arborea. Incredible adventures await you here on Flash Gordon Minute. Oh, no.